Habanero Bronco, hold on to your pancakes and take a drive with us as we return to Haven. This is Troubled, your favorite rewatch podcast dedicated to the sci-fi channel show Haven, based on the Stephen King novella, The Colorado Kid. I'm your first host in our father-son podcast, Alex French. Hi, and I'm Rich French. Thanks for listening. Uh, and you can listen to us anywhere you listen to podcasts, uh, anywhere else like Apple, Google, Podbean, Stitcher, anything like that. We're going to have more information for you at the end of the episode or in the show notes. All right, like every other episode, we want to start off with the summary. This one is episode nine, As You Were. All right, so the episode starts with uh, Audrey and Duke on a boat, right? They're uh, heading to, uh, what's it called? Something's Not. Yeah, they're heading to Carpenter's Knot, which uh, yeah. Duke's trying to keep it a surprise, but she just she just beats him down till he finally relents and tells her we're going to Carpenter's Knot to uh, the, the hotel that the Carpenter family clo- owned and closed in 83. Which, you know, people haven't been to, but he's like, but you got to see it. And she's like, oh, but you haven't seen it. Blah, blah, blah. They head to the they finally get off the boat. They head to the hotel. Uh, yeah, and they walk into the uh, the hallway and all of a sudden the door pops open. Surprise. It's a surprise birthday party for Audrey. Yeah. And all our cast is there. Everybody, you know, the Teagues, the chief, Eleanor, Eleanor's daughter, Julia, we're introduced to. She's back from uh, the Peace Corps from Africa or Doctors yep. Without Borders. Excuse me. Yep. Doctors Without Borders and uh, back from Darfur, even though her mom gets it wrong. Yeah. Uh, and then Nathan, who's still a little... A little uh, emotionally distraught or emotionally just emotional over his breakup with Jess. Right. But, you know, he gets through it like a man by drinking Jack straight from the bottle and <laughs> listening to Patsy Cline. It has some awkward interactions with his father. Uh, we get to meet the owner. Yeah, who is Vaughn Carpenter. He seems very nice. And he mentions like he mentions Lucy, right? That uh, Audrey looks just like Lucy Ripley. Who was uh, he says was his friend. So that was uh, pretty interesting. Yeah. And before he can elaborate, he runs off. He goes to the bedroom to talk. He, you know, sends his wife away and he's got to do something because he's losing power. You know, he's losing his control and his strength. He's got to do something now. And uh, we kind of see him start kind of shifting. His body starts bubbling and shifting and morphing a bit. Uh, So then what happens? The power goes out. Is that what's next? Yeah, the, the power goes out and uh, Doc, Doc's busy uh, bossing everyone around and, uh, you know, tells Julia to, to, go, to go find Vaughn. And uh, once she goes and finds Vaughn, he, she finds him in the basement, but it's his molted skin. It's his skin in his clothes. So he has shifted shape. So the chief kind of steps forward. and He's like, all right, this is a chameleon. I've seen this before in the 70s, maybe the 80s, maybe the 70s. We'll get back to that. Uh, the chief's like, I've seen this before. It took over my partner. I had to kill my own partner. So the, the shapeshifter, the chameleon has taken one of our forms. Uh, so we can't leave the island because this guy's an insane, dangerous killer. and He'll do whatever it takes to escape. So we got to lock this place down and find out which one of us is the chameleon and kill them. Right. Because as he states, one of us is dead. <laughs> yeah. So we know the chameleon is in one of them now. It's just a matter of what. So they come up with the plan. The kind of first step of the plan is to figure out, is there a way off the islands? Let's go find the boat. So Audrey, Nathan, go down to the boat, go down to the boathouse to check out if there's any, any way off the island. But it's kind of storming. It's raining. Audrey <laughs> is wearing her dress that Dave got her for her birthday and uh, very rainy. So they find the boat, but then the chief kind of shows up, right? Yep. The chief shows up. He just found a lantern and he sees the boat and it's an inflatable boat. 
So he just takes his gun out <laughs> and he shoots the boat and uh, Audrey and Nathan are just like, what? And he's like, I'm not letting this monster get back to the mainland, which I happen to agree with. That makes sense. And so one thing before was that everybody had to kind of disarm themselves. Uh, Nathan didn't have a gun. Audrey gave up her two guns. They kind of split up all the components. So nobody, you know, nobody could use it. But it turns out the chief had been hiding a gun the whole time. Um, they come back. Uh, Duke's got the radio, right? And the axe. Yeah, the axe was later. But yeah, okay. he, they come back fr- from the boathouse. They say there's no boat. Try, you know, cover up what, you know. Chief <laughs> Chief did. And uh, Duke had found some radio parts and he's trying to build a radio to contact the, the mainland. And he's being very pissy through most of the, this time. So Duke's working on the radio uh, and they're like, let's split up. Let's investigate. So Audrey and the chief go off and then Nathan and the girls and then the two brothers are kind of the groups. Right. Right. And so Audrey and the chief, you know, Audrey's like, you don't have to be so tough on Nathan. And she's like, I got to toughen him up for the shit that's coming, you know, because I'm not always going to be here and shit's going to get rough. Right. Nathan needs to fucking toughen up. He's going to lead him, leave him a world of troubles that he has to fix. So then they find out they managed to find what was it an old newspaper clipping. Right. So they kind of regroup. Yeah. uh, Julia Carr and, and Audrey and Nathan are searching the room and they find in the desk, they find newspaper clippings of, you know, first it's the Colorado kid photo from back in 83 then they find photos of uh, this, you know, Vaughn Carpenter story where he had meningitis, was dying, and then all of a sudden he miraculously healed. And uh, and it was it was like 27 years before 1983. So they pieced it together that the shapeshifter replaced Vaughn Carpenter and has been living Vaughn Carpenter's life with his wife. And they figure out that the wife actually, you know, was in on it. And uh He's got pictures currently of of uh, Audrey, so she wants to know what's the connection between Carpenter and herself and Lucy Ripley before. So then the group go back to the parlor where Duke is furious because he went down he went down to check out the boat himself and found a shot. So now he's got an axe and he wants to know who's the shapeshifter. And he's not letting anyone out. So and devi- he, he assumes it's Nathan, right? And so they devise a plan to kind of figure out a way they can figure out who the chameleon is. Everybody brought Audrey gifts, right? Wrapped gifts. And, uh, you know, obviously no one else knows what it is except the person who bought the gift. So the idea is the person will, so will say what they got, Audrey, and then we will open the gift to see what they got, uh, if they were correct or not. So we kind of go through a bunch of, you know, Duke is like, I'm going last because he's got a very special item. Dave got her the dress. So there's really no reveal there. Uh, Vince got a book. So he turns out to be correct. Eleanor got her ugly uh, Empire, Empire Penguin uh, earrings. Earrings. Uh, I don't think Julia got her anything, right? Because yeah, it, it, everything kind of stops at uh, Nathan's turn. Right. So Nathan got her a sweater and then they open the box. Turns out it was a scarf. So everybody uh, starts freaking out and the chief pops Nathan in the back of the head, knocks him out and they time to a chair to figure out what happened yeah. why the why the chameleon took him yeah his own dad knocked him out before he even had a chance to really defend himself uh yeah and his def- his defense is basically that he asked Jess to buy the sweater and Jess changed must have changed the gift at the last second without telling Nathan uh, which explains why it was something completely different than what he said chaos ensues when the power goes out right yeah the power goes out and Duke uh Audrey and uh Nathan are in the parlor and everyone you know uh, the chief's gun is missing because they had taken it from chief and then uh, power goes out. 
Okay, so somebody takes the gun because Duke starts reaching for the gun or the axe. Uh, gun is gone, and everybody kind of scatters in the chaos. So the only ones left are Audrey, Nathan, who Audrey's now freed, and Duke. So the three of them go to investigate and find that somebody sabotaged the power, right? Right. While they're investigating that, uh, what happens with the kind of other people, right? Julia's hiding under a bed from the shapeshifter and then the other group. Yeah, she's hiding under a bed with her cheese knife for self-defense. And then uh, Chief is kind of, you know, lone wolf in it, you know, trying to get ahead of this monster. And then he runs into the Doc Carr and they have their moment about the how hard parenting is and then the, and then the, the brothers are doing their thing and then like i said the, the three go to the basement to find the power and power box and then for whatever reason audrey tells them they have to split up and go go look for it because it's imperative to get those lights back on okay and then we hear a scream and we go down we go outside of the room where uh, uh, Julia was hiding and we see her mother, Eleanor down on the floor and chief is over her body and she's dead. She yeah. Broke like her neck. neck. Got pushed down the stairs, broke her neck. Uh, kind of everybody gives up searching and stuff and comes back. They're all distraught trying to figure out what happened. Who's the chameleon. We're nowhere. We have no boat, no power. And then Audrey and Nathan kind of start talking, right? Right. And then Nathan, he noticed something funny with the knot tying uh, on his chair, which yeah. kind of got him, he got him thinking. So then he get, pulls uh, Audrey really close, says, do you trust me? And then he kisses her, you know, and then she's like, Nathan, what are you doing? And he's like, uh, he pulls back from her, shoots her right in the chest. And everyone's like, what the fuck just happened? And then, you know, the shapeshifter asks him, how, how did you uh, know it was me? And he's like, I can feel Audrey. And you can't feel you. And I couldn't feel you. Right. And at first, everyone's freaked out. But then they kind of see it shift and they realize, oh, shit. Like, you know, you were right. They, uh, But they go looking for the real Audrey finder. She's unconscious, like uh, really hurt. And they manage to kind of save her. Right. Julia uh, brings her to and uh, everyone's relieved. Right. And so we leave the island. Uh, Audrey and Nathan kind of have a little talk about what happened. Uh, Nathan gets in his dad's face about <laughs> never wanting to be like him. Yeah. And then it ends on a very important note of Audrey and Duke, where Duke finally gives her the gift. Right. And the gift turns out to be a necklace locket with uh, LR initials on it, which stands for Lucy Ripley. And he had the locket because Lucy Ripley gave it to him. He was the boy in the Colorado kid photo holding her hand. Dun, dun, dun. And that's kind of the end of the episode. What'd you think of it? I got to be honest. I really, really like this episode. Uh, I mean, this is the first time we really get the whole cast together. I mean, mm -hmm. pretty much everyone who's anyone, you know, in season one is, is there. So I really loved it. You know, it's, it's like a good body snatcher story that's mixed with a, a game of clue concept wise. So really, really like it. A ton of information was, uh, you know, released to us, you know, really important things. The overarching story is really picking up now, which is great. And then, uh, so like I said, it's probably my favorite episode so far. So I gave it an eight. On the Frenchal meter? Yeah, I'd probably, I'd say I would agree. It was my favorite episode of the season so far. Because my other favorites were probably either the pilot or the music episode were my favorites. Yeah, uh, music episode was Harmony. 
Yeah. And then the food episode consumed was up there too. So those are probably, this probably tops those three though, as my favorite. Uh, Cause at first, when they first go to the hotel, I was like, man, are they going to do like the shining? And then yeah. once, once somebody disappears and we know there's a bias hatch, I'm like, Oh no, it's like an Agatha Christie like book in an episode. Unfortunately, we didn't get like a commentary for this episode on the Blu-ray to find out anything extra. So we're kind of flying blind here. We don't have any of the extra material that it, we... Yeah, the behind-the-scenes inf- information. But then maybe that was intentional because, uh, as we discussed earlier, on the commentary for... Uh, they they accidentally release that they're killing off Doc Eleanor, you know. So it kind of ruins it for, for folks when you... Uh, release hints early so not not the best uh verbal dy- dynamics w- uh, with those two i give it a nine i thought it was really fun to just watch without even knowing the big story and then like you're saying we get some big developments with lucy you know with audrey finding out the mystery we figure out dukes the kid in the photo uh we kind of get advancement on the nathan moving on from jess him being able to feel audrey's touch really comes into play. It was perfectly set up at the end of last episode to be executed here. Uh, Then we get Vince is one we haven't talked about quite yet, but Vince has a nice little development here as well. Yeah, we can go ahead and talk about the Vince development. So I found one of the big themes of this episode was that the troubled people are afflicted and they're not monsters. You know, uh, they establish that Vince comes out, Vincent comes out as very sympathetic and believe me, that's going to play a part later down, down the road with, with Vince. Um, and then introducing Julia and kind of sweeping Eleanor off the board. Uh, and then we get a lot of chief stuff too, right? It yeah, seems this, like the chief is barely in the show. <laughs> Yeah, this is a big chief episode. Oh, he's got, he's got, we both had different one-liners we liked. I liked when uh, Duke was acting like he was going to fight him. And he's like, uh, yeah, I've coughed out tougher than you. Yeah. Whereas my favorite was uh, Nathan fucking tosses his cigarette out at the, he pulls it out of the chief's mouth and tosses it. The chief just pulls out the fact, I got a whole pack. (laughs) Yeah, it it was, it was a great episode. Uh, Do we, uh, do we want to talk about the chief now? Yeah, let's talk about the chief. Do we want to? What do we? What do you want to start with? His uh, his multiple, apparently ever shifting t- past. Exactly, exactly. Because uh, that was one thing I noticed was his uh, his math. I was like, so he says after he got back from Nam, he was a rookie on the police force, and he had to shoot his partner who was a shapeshifter. Well, okay, Nam ended in the seventies. The the troubles uh, were well, like seventy five. Yeah, 75 and uh, 1983. That's like an eight year difference. So, which well, is, uh, well, so could maybe, have been doing something else, but maybe what happened was like, I guess it, uh, like we were talking, well, and also the Duke says, you know, last time you saw the shapeshifter was during the Reagan administration. So I was like, well, so it wasn't right after Vietnam because there's five years right before Reagan right. president since after Vietnam ends. Right. So, you know, this happened in uh, this happened in 83, because that's the assumption we're, we're making is that, you know, he he was addressing the troubles in 1983. And that means what 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 he was doing for, you know, the previous eight years or or so. What I was thinking was maybe the trouble started. So the show, the troubles have started in the show, but obviously the show goes on for five years so the troubles are ongoing is a five-year process, right? So how do we know in 83 that it didn't start five years before that and like hit 
like uh fever pitch in 83 is when shit got really yeah. crazy so maybe it started in like 78 77 see i i think it started in 83 because that's when nathan says it's his trouble started was in 1983 right but he could have been a late because they don't all, all activate yeah, at the true. same time that's true that's true usually there's a triggering event yeah so, so I, I guess it's possible yeah but. nathan's wasn't triggered till very and that, that's probably when the troubles were at their peak Right now we've gotten one, you know, every once in a while we're getting somebody, but it's, it, it grows exponentially more dangerous as the show goes on. So maybe it was the same thing. Maybe in like 78, there were a couple of people and the chameleon was one of the earliest ones that the chief ran into. And then by 83, it was a full blown pandemic of troubles. Yep. It was a uh, trouble natal, you know, not as good as shark natal, but trouble natal. I was yep. thinking though, I would totally watch a TV show of the chief in the seventies That'd be amazing killing people with troubles it'd be it'd be it'd be a good buddy to cop movie you know if he well, had, he, i mean it, know. it ends with him killing his buddy <laughs> well he he's avenging his buddy because his buddy was killed by the shapeshifter so yeah, yeah. Dude, i can totally picture chief with a 70s stash yeah your polyester uh levi's work slacks uh sliding across a car hood with his gun drawn and then shooting a perp i could i could picture it yeah, you know, he's got the cigarettes already. Yeah, I, I definitely would do that. But, you know, and on a serious note for, you know, it, it really comes clear that Chief does love Nathan. He just doesn't know how to communicate it. It's just not his thing. He doesn't do warm and fuzzy. And he really just wants to, he, he makes it clear to me that he's, he's leaving. And it's sooner than probably. This is the second time he's referenced that, right? The first time was in the uh, fur, the stuffed fur. animal mm -hmm. episode. He tells Andre's like, yeah, well, when I'm gone, Nathan's gonna have to deal with this. And you're like, what are you talking about when you're gone? Like in this episode, he's really hammering it. So, you know, you know, most so, likely the chief is not long for being the chief of Haven anymore. Right. So that, that that's the hint he's getting. So I thought that was really cool. And it seemed like the, the episode highlighted uh, difficulties between parents and their children. And uh, I think both children uh, acted very petulant. I mean, I, I thought Nathan was a little over overboard, but Imagine his dad choosing to sacrifice a personal relationship for them. Like, you know, cause Nathan doesn't really know all the secrets the chief has. So he doesn't really understand why his father's so distant and why his father's so professional, I guess. And right. And, and I can't remember, I think it comes out later. There was something with the mom, just like later, we're going to find out what specifically pissed Nathan off, uh, you know, about Duke. And uh, yeah. So, so I, we'll I understand, I understand Nathan's point of view because we don't we haven't seen their whole life and like the interactions we're seeing are very like if that's if you live with that for whatever he's 30 30 years 18 under his house assumedly i guess he got away for four years for college because we know he went to college <laughs> yeah he's seen worse, worse um, things <laughs> <laughs> so imagine having that cold distant professional like rough relationship without ever knowing why like it's happening like he doesn't really understand yeah. his dad and that's because his dad keeps a lot of secrets but I, I understand where why Nathan would be like, yeah, you don't get to buddy up to me once every like four years or something and expect that like we're going to be cool when you're like patting me on the back for shooting like my fucking part, like a chameleon that looks like my partner. Yes, like, you know, it's dramatic. That was it's like Star Wars, man. You know, it's, it's going down the same path as his dad. Yeah, I kind of. <laughs> I kind of liked it. I, I like Chief in this episode. Oh, I, I did was, too. Yeah. I really he liked the Chief. He took charge and he was 
he was right. You have to destroy the boat. You can't let the monster back on the mainland. Yeah. Right. But Duke is all about number one, right? Duke. Like that's, 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 a, that's really in line with this character. It's like, I don't give a fuck about you guys. Like, or at the end of the day, he does to an extent. But like, you know, he's a smuggler. If he has to drop all his goods and run and like flee, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. Yeah, right. And uh, it is about him. Yeah. He, he does care about his friends, but you know, hey, numero uno. Yeah. Julia car i don't think was i just don't think the setup was there i just don't think the set like they wrote eleanor as trying to like be bossy but it just doesn't it's a little bossy but it's not bossy enough to justify julia's like oh my god you're so controlling you always want to control my life which like i could see i think they just need to reinforce that with eleanor a bit like maybe we need more time with eleanor before this yeah, because she wasn't really bossy in the other episodes. I mean, she had that moment I didn't like where she's like, that's not my job. But other than that, uh, I mean, she's a bit snippy and short and like sassy with people. It's in a more endearing way, I guess, to us. Maybe if you have to live with that all the time, that gets tiring. But <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't I just I thought it was a little overblown and especially for, you know, the, the our first introduction to her. Right. So I guess that's my complaint is like, I think the Julia Carr character works. I think they just need to reinforce her behavior with Eleanor's behavior sooner and stronger to give that effect. So I think that's probably the only, it's really the only nitpick I can find, except for the like classic, like, let's split up like yeah. thing where it's like, <laughs> which was fine actually, because then we find out Audrey's a shapeshifter. So it makes sense. She wants everybody to split up. Cause at first I was, I was like, you know what? I'm going to take back everything I just said. The let's split up is fine because it was the shapeshifter trying to split them all up as Audrey. So I totally stand corrected. I really, the only problem I have is the Julia, Julia's behavior isn't really earned because we didn't put the work in with Eleanor yet. Or right. You know, and I think it probably was in the, in the room when he was looking at the chair and the knot, even before yeah, he grabbed her. That's when I figured it out. I, I, they, they got me good. I was like, man, who is this? Because obviously we talked during the commentary for the last episode, Sam Ernst spoiled who dies in the next episode. He's like, well, you know, uh, we couldn't kill Jess because we just killed Eleanor, which you didn't just kill Eleanor. Eleanor was killed the next episode, which you had to know the order couldn't have been changed because Nathan is dealing with the aftermath of breaking up with Jess. So chronologically, it's not an episode two, three and four shuffle situation. But since it was right. that, I was like, I guess Eleanor is supposed to be the shapeshifter because I know she's supposed to die in this episode. And then she, when she breaks her neck, I was like, well, then I don't know what the fuck's going on. Like, <laughs> yeah. and, then, and then when he's looking at the rope, I was like, oh, fuck, Audrey must have touched his hand when she was tying the rope. Yeah, because she untied him. And when she untied him, he didn't feel it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so I think that's when timing. I really, yeah, I think that's when I really knew. Yeah. And that's the perfect way to like write mysteries is you don't get to the end of a mystery and say, I did. I didn't know that. At the end of the mystery, the perf the thing you should be saying is, "I should have seen that." Like all the things were there for me to realize that, and I just did. I'm a little late, and that's the perfect. That's exactly the way a mystery should be. Yeah, uh, yeah. So. yeah. Just think back to the sixth sense. It's just not like uh, within the first ten minutes. Oh, he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to ruin that if uh, someone hasn't seen the sixth sense out there. But if you haven't, well. We'll put a spoiler warning in the Spo show. Notes. Spoiler alert for the movie Sixth Sense. Uh, he's dead. Uh, you missed the movie by 20 years. But yeah, you're like, you're right. You're right. So at the end of the Sixth Sense, you're like, I should have seen all this. It all makes sense. Like, why didn't I realize it sooner? That's the perfect. That's a great mystery. I, I don't like when mysteries are in. You're like, how's I supposed to guess that? Like, 
Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Where it's just like I, you know, completely out of left field, and it's just like you just hit with it, and you know, they're, they're supposed to tease you and kind of trick you. You know, kind of. Right. And I'll give Haven tries to do that with their, you know, with their monster of the week, right? Oh, it's this person, it's this person, this person. Usually, it takes to the third person, and then you got it. Yeah, sometimes like we were discussing was with the dark man. Uh, it was instantly, you're like, yeah, yeah. it's that guy. He's <laughs> the guy. Yeah. The, the first scene at the, at, at the hospital. Yeah. Uh, you instantly. Know, I, I was like, yeah, it's like, him. Yep. <laughs> yep. It's, it's Thornton. But like sketchy, the one at the drawings, I think did take me, I don't think I actually even guessed the captain, but I was like, oh fuck. Like he's the only like side character left. I should have like realized it, which is also good. They, they, they had a lot of suspects now and they like ran through like four or five people. Yeah, that, that the whole family, Vicky's whole family, you yeah. know, and her boyfriend, everything. Yeah, first her uh, dad, then her fiance, and then, then her, and then oh, she's muscle for Captain Richards. Yeah, so here's another another thing about it. So when I was doing my notes, they had that scene where uh, Audrey pulls Vin- Vincent aside, and we're, and it's the scene where Vincent gives her his talk about how, how mon- you know, the troubled people are afflicted. They're not monsters, you know, they don't deserve to be feared. But then he. Uh, but then she she goes, you knew you knew my mother, Lucy Ripley. And he's like, yes. And then she, and then she's like, well, why didn't you tell me? And then that, that's when Duke screams. And that's when he's getting ready to, uh, to fight Nathan. And when I saw that, I'm like, there's no way Audrey lets him slide on not answering that question. She's a damn FBI yeah. agent and a good one. There's no way she slides. But then when I started getting further along in my notes, I was like, oh, she was the shapeshifter at the time. So <laughs> Audrey actually never heard that. That was the shapeshifter who heard that. So, yeah. Uh, so that, that's, you're right. The, the writing, the writing was really good. The, the, the gent who wrote this episode, I did a great job. Which is Jose Molina. Uh, I think he only writes one more episode, which is going to be the trial of Audrey Parker when we get to it. And I think he's done with season one as Haven after that. But I was really impressed. I'm really right. looking forward to his next episode. And I'll probably be looking at uh, whatever else he's been working on since right. Haven. Well, um, I also thought the way, I mean, we talked, I've already kind of mentioned it, but I thought the way, I thought a lot of the mechanics they set up were so perfectly done that the gift giving, it was such a good idea to kind of give, not, not alibis, but like reveal who knows, you know, who is the, who is the chameleon. It was the perfect way to say, here's like a mystery item that only this person would know. And it fits in perfectly to the birthday theme and as a mechanic to solve who the chameleon is. Yeah, no, it, it was a, it was an excellent mechanism, and we got to see uh, the goofy gifts. I mean, speaking of the gifts, uh, Vincent yeah. gives her a copy of uh, Misery Unchained, which is supposed to be the book written by the character played by uh, James Caan in the movie Misery, where Kathy Bates is his, oh, yeah, his yeah, number yeah, yeah. one fan. You know, it's a Stephen Stephen King book and then movie, and she, uh, you know, basically. Kidnap, you know, keeps him as her prisoner and uh, breaks his legs. So yeah, uh, let's talk about coming full circle from episode. I think it was four. What Dave gets Audrey for her birthday? A dress, a fucking a blue dr- dress, and a bunch of other things. He's like, oh, I got her the dress, and uh, I can't remember all the items he said, but he got yeah. her a bunch of things. Yeah, Dave, he comes off a little pervy again. Dave yeah. is just. I'm pretty sure Dave is like some kind of pimp or something. He's just like doing this weird, like show at the boutique in episode four, or he's like, like, you know, let's see Audrey, you know, uh, what do he say? 
uh, where Vince but is like, you look good. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, yeah, it sounded creepy even for me. Yeah. And here yeah. he is buying her a dress, dressing her up. And I'm like, man. And then I was like, Audrey, go put your normal clothes back on. It's fucking storm out and you're hunting like uh, a murderer. Uh, it's her birthday and everyone else did like to dress, but yeah, I mean, I do. I am, I'm starting to pick up on this Dave T uh, street pimp vibe thing going on. Yeah. He's, 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 yeah, he's running all the ladies of the night of uh, Haven. And, he takes uh, them to the target. Yeah. They, you know, gets his film developed, gets some of their yeah. contraceptive, you know, some uh, mace or pepper spray, you know? Yeah. He's, that's like where he gets all the supplies uh, for his woman of the night. That explains how, how they can afford, you know, a house and stuff because they're probably not making yeah. a killing with <laughs> the Haven Herald. Yeah, he supplements his his newspaper career. Do you think he has any uh, employees named Fidalba? Oh, I hope so. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I thought it was just funny that I'm like, Dave, dude, get off the fucking dresses. Stop with the dress boutique and now getting her a dress. God knows what's going to be. It's, it's just going to be shoehorned in where like they're going to be like, okay, you know, Audrey, you know, we got to, you know, we got to infiltrate this like group of people. And he's like, all right, well, I got this perfect dress for you to wear, Audrey. And he's like, no, damn it, Dave, stop with the no. dress. No, <laughs> no. I think what's next is Audrey, you're going to have to infiltrate this, this gang of prostitutes. So I bought <laughs> yeah. you this lingerie. You're going to have to yeah, sneak I need you to the... try it on. So you're going to have to sneak into this bedroom. Blah, 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 blah. He's going to give her the address. Be like, this is your house, Dave. And he's like, well, yeah. uh, oh, 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 yeah, wrong address. Yeah. But it's, but it's a pervy, but it's fun. I mean, it was. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's, what about Eleanor not being able to tell the difference between. Because she gets the organization wrong, too, right? She says Peace Corps, but it's Doctors Without Borders. And then she says Darfur. She thought it was Ethiopia. She thought it was and, Ethiopia when it's Darfur. Yeah. And that was. Uh, yeah. I just. I think they were trying to make it look like she antagonizes Julia. And uh, it, because, just, like, once again, she wasn't, she, she's not really bossy, you know. And yeah, it just wasn't she, set up well. She's snarky, but that's her shtick that, you know, that, that, and, and he basically, that's her, how she copes with dealing with the troubles is, you know, she uses her humor to do it. And I, I would say maybe that's just like not Julia's personality type, but she gets along with Duke very well, who is also snarky and biting, you know. Uh, yeah. I was like, maybe, you know, Eleanor's personality is more fitting to Audrey because that's how Audrey is, too. And maybe that's just the opposite of Julia. But Duke is very similar. And Julia enjoys yeah. that. Well, yeah, they well, they, they dated. And uh, that was an awkward as fuck scene. Uh, let me just say the like Duke being like she was in love with me back in the day. I was like, dude, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> what the fuck? Who does this? I guess it's fitting for Duke because I was like, this is very immature, man. It almost He's felt a... like. He's a sailor, man. And, you know, he's, a port in every he's, town. He, he's docking in many ports. <laughs> um, <laughs> I felt like it was maybe a move to like make Audrey jealous. Where he was like, yeah, you know, Julia was really in love with me back in the day. What do you think about that, Audrey? Like a lot of girls like me. For some reason, you're not uh, swooning like most are. So that was like my thought on what Duke was kind of going for there. Because it felt really awkward. I was like, okay, we get it. Like, there must have been a much more organic way for Duke to mention that him and Julia used to like date, or or at least she was interested in him than this. Yeah, it, it was it, it was kind of awkward. It was uh, uncomfortable. I felt uncomfortable yeah. for all involved. <laughs> yeah, with I was it. like, and, oh. and I know it's a TV show, but I still found it uncomfortable. But, and yeah, but, Duke, Duke was also on one this episode. He was irritated to high hell like very quickly everyone's like oh you know 
it's kind of a scary situation. Duke's like, no, we need to get the fuck off this island right now. You know, and like he went to 11 yeah, right off the bat. He went to bat. 11 right off the bat. Yeah, it was one to 11 in like, like two minutes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. in his defense, he did find a skin. I guess I guess we should also be looking that everybody else didn't jump to 11 when they should have. Vince and Dave are always like, oh, well, you know, uh, uh, you know, kind of don't yeah. take it as seriously. Yeah, I wouldn't take my body if I was a shapeshifter. Yeah, that was I mean, a fun too. scene. No. Yeah, no, I, that was funny. Uh, you know, but yeah, that's what I mean. That they were doing their their stick, relief, their stick, and it it works. It was it, it was good. It was uh, like I said, it was it was a fun a fun episode. And, and maybe he was all ramped up because he had such a special gift for Audrey, and uh, and he was going to give her some very important news and. I think it's also the idea of being trapped, right, for Duke, because, you know, he's a man who gets to go wherever he wants, whenever he wants. And he's, you know, he's a man of the sea. He gets, you know, he's always leaving. He's coming and going. He doesn't want to be tied down by like a relationship, like friends and stuff. That's all. He kind of keeps everything at arm's distance so he can always be moving. And I think the idea of being trapped is probably what had him skyrocket to, I'm going to fucking cut off Nathan's head with this axe. And, And it totally blows that Doc was killed. Uh, yeah, I, I miss her character, and I, I'm like, did they did they kill her because they wanted to have an excuse to add a, a female cast member close to Audrey's age, you know, the, for like the, a love square? You know, Duke is interested in Audrey, and then Julie would be interested in Duke, but you know, now Nathan's interested in Audrey. Audrey's interested in nobody at the moment, <laughs> which is uh, it, it, it makes it fun. It, yeah, fun to speculate. I'm sure there's some fan fiction on all, all of that too. Well, I wonder what the plan was for Eleanor. Like, was she a character they really only wanted for like two episodes, but then they were like, you know what? We like having her around. And then they're like, but we don't really know what to do with her. Uh, And they maybe had plans for like Julia's character. And they were like, we'll make the mother and daughter to kind of link them and then use this to sweep Eleanor out and bring in Julia. Yeah, because if we we kill off Eleanor, then Julia will feel compelled to stay. And Yeah, and we have a better excuse for why this character wasn't around, right? Because if she was like, oh, yeah, I've been in Haven this whole time, but I haven't really talked to you. It's kind of like, not weird, because, you know, but like, this is a nice, convenient access to the character. It's cleaner. It's cleaner. Yeah. And uh, I would I would guess that is what was going on. But it sucks losing Eleanor. Um, She was it was nice, but that's also part of like storytelling, right? As she was somebody that Audrey was comfortable with and that was making Audrey feel better. And you got to take away all the good things from your heroes over time, right? You got to keep stripping away at them until there's, until there's nothing left. And then you see what they're really made of. Right. And, uh, you know, she was a mentor to, uh, to, to Audrey. Yeah. So it, it kind of sucks for, uh, sucks for Audrey. Obviously it sucks for Julia, Julia, but, uh, and I think it's the beginning of a, like, you know, this upheaval of these new set of troubles is a a transition is coming where we're pushing out as the chief is also alluding to the old guard is kind of getting swept away is is losing their grip. And like the new people are going to have to, you know, Eleanor is teaching Audrey. The chief is trying to teach Nathan um, <laughs> Vince <laughs> Daver. They're running a side gig with prostitute. They're like, wait, we're trying to get this prostitute ring going. So if you guys could take over the troubles, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think Vince Vince is the one who kind of like talks more to the girls and uh, Dave's the evil genius. Uh. <laughs> I thought we established in the, the Succubus episode that Dave was the player at the bar and that Vince was the, you know, the wingman. Yeah, but they, they would have to have pimp names, you know. I think it'd just be the main men, you know, like it's like main man, main man. 
Yeah, but you know, they had to call one like Silky, you know, and uh, Diamond. I don't know. Just and we already there. gave them the Yellow Peril Twinkly and Lion Master. They already have their pimp names. <laughs> Lion Master definitely works. <laughs> I say one last question I had had for you is uh, when Nathan is first coming into the parlor when they initially get there. What's up with the cat mask? Was that Nathan's? Because I I caught it, but I didn't know who was wearing it. Nathan so was wearing it. I kind of looked it, away for a second, then I looked up. And I was like, "What the fuck?" And then I was like, well, I, don't, I guess I, I guess I, what, I don't even realize that that well, I have no idea. I feel like I, that was a Lucas Bryant idea. Yeah. After seeing some of the, the uh, videos <laughs> like Haven Dance Party and, and shit like that. And at Comic-Con that <laughs> definitely after seeing the the Haven Dance Party. Well, don't video. spoil Yeah, don't spoil I'll put a link in the yeah. show notes. No, uh, I won't, you, can, you, know. you, you can watch the Haven Dance Party so you can see Lucas Bryant's sillier uh, sense of humor. Yeah, and, he's very uh, different from Nathan. Yeah, he looks like he'd be so fun to hang out with. But uh, yeah, that, that cat mask. I was just like, what is that about? Why would it's a birthday party? I bet they, you know, he wanted to kind of surprise someone. So I bet any money he was like, let me wear this like silly cat mask I found in like the prop stuff. And they're like, OK, whatever. Yeah, we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll let Lucas do what he wants. Yeah, or maybe that, that's, he, that's, that's one of the reasons why I wanted a commentary. I wanted to hear what they had to say about that. I, maybe he like wore it in a take that was like the, their best take and he wasn't supposed to. And they're like, fuck it, just leave it. Who cares? Like, they're like, nah, none of the other takes are as good. We don't have the money to go back and reshoot that fucking scene. They're well, that shot. I'm, I'm starting to wonder if we could see like some cut reels where of, of, of the gags that, uh, well, later in this, has, has, towards uh, the end, we're going to do a little deep dive on the special features on disc four. Once we once we get to it real quick, this isn't really on the subject of the show, but for the Blu-rays, is it me or is this fucking these cases? Absolutely insane. How you get the disc in and out. Oh, my God. Mine's broken. I mean, it's, it's not broken They're I think I don't think they're broken. They're fucking and, and it's really hard to use, though. They are really hard to get the discs back in. I figured it out, but I was in there for like 20 minutes being like, I'm going to break this fucking disc in half if I'm not like I, don't, yeah. like, I don't I don't know how to get this back in. I figured it out. But man, is it a motherfucker to put that disc? Whoever made that is an idiot, is an asshole. It's an asshole. Yeah, because uh, fuck, you could solve a Rubik's Cube faster than you yeah. can put your discs yeah. back in the case. <laughs> oh. Yeah, so buyer beware if you want to buy the blu-ray to listen to the commentary god damn is it a pain in the ass to put those discs back in yeah i'll be honest with you i just got them laying there flat i i didn't even have <laughs> i don't have the first two discs back in it's, well, like uh, i said once i figured it out i know how to do it but it's still a process but uh come on guys just put them get god damn it get regular disc holders for the dvd case for fuck's sake going on trying to be way too clever trying yeah. to be way too clever they should have included a cat mask is what they should like as a bonus. You know, some no. some seasons have the uh, like in a later season we have it comes with like an extra comic book. And we'll talk about that when we get to like I think that's season three. That yeah. one should have come with like a novelty cat mask that we each could have. Right, then we do video it's... for the podcast and we'd be wearing them. That would be excellent. Uh, <laughs> I, I like I like that idea. And it's just it's like I said, I'm just curious, like what other pranks he's done? Like, has he showed up on the scene with like a, going spinal tap with like a cucumber in his pants? And, uh, you know. Yeah. And... <laughs> All right. To kind of commemorate this episode, uh, this one's a you know, we talked about it earlier that we mentioned Agatha Christie and Clue. This one was a whodunit and in a typical whodunit fashion. They usually end with 
they usually go where one character is eliminated along the whole process until, you know, there's one or two left and then you figure out who is behind it. So we thought a fun idea and a similar concept almost, <laughs> which also is just part of our hobbies is uh, survivor where, you know, if you don't understand the structure, 16 people on an Island, initially two tribes. Uh, when you lose a challenge, the tribe goes to tribal council, they vote somebody out uh, and then eventually they merge and then you're voting one person out from the merged tribe until there's two left. And then at the end, they get voted by the last seven people who are voted out, uh, vote for the winner between the two of them. We're going to use this website called Brant Steel. And so Brant Steel kind of simulates all sorts of things. It simulates Survivor, uh, Big Brother. You can So you're running through with the contestants and all that. So what I did is uh, you can edit and use a template. So I took a Survivor season and edited it and turned it into a haven survivor simulator or a haven whodunit simulator so we're going to go through it uh and we're going to see who makes it to the end and who's the winner and for reference you guys know we're doing this live so well live for us not <laughs> live for us not for you but live for us so we took 16 um true to the format of survivor we took 16 contestants uh from the show i try to use with the exception of eleanor everybody who is still alive at this point who most of them are main characters but some of them were just kind of one episode characters that will make an appearance maybe later on so we kind of put them in two tribes and each tribe has equal gender so each tribe is four men four women i kind of try to break up the personal relationships so like uh, audrey isn't on the same tribe as duke and nathan uh i've split up vincent dave i split up eleanor and julia i split up uh, the chief and Nathan, I split up Audrey and uh, Howard. Uh, no, well, Jess and Nathan actually on the I same said, tribe. I was just so that was a mistake. That. But I didn't put Nathan and the Reverend on the same tribe. So oh, I kind of try to <laughs> be horrible. I didn't put Nathan and the Dark Man Thornton Aaron on the same tribe. So I kind of try to split them up to make sure there wasn't co as many conflict of interest. It's not perfect, but uh, it'll do. Well, so, I'm pretty sure Jess and Nathan will, would uh, have no problem uh, taking out Thornton <laughs> together. <laughs> okay, so let's go through the tribes. I'll uh, we'll talk about um, each tribe. So the first tribe we got is the Tuiawak tribe, which is named after the Native American name for Haven, right? Yep. Which is uh, God's orphans. Right, Haven for God's orphans. Right, so that's Tuiawak. And so on the Tuiawak tribe, we have... Audrey Parker? Yeah, we got Audrey Parker. Uh, we got Beatrice Mitchell. You'll remember her as the succubus who... Uh, yeah, she's, just... she's, Helena, uh, she's Helena when she's the succubus. Right, we got Dave Teagues. We got uh, Edmund Driscoll, the reverend, or the rev. We got Garland Warnos, the chief. Julia Carr, the Doctors Without Borders... Uh, I guess doctor. Uh, we have Laverne from the Dispatch. I don't know her last name, so she's just called Laverne Dispatch. And then we have Thornton Aaron, who is the dark man, the blind guy. So let's talk about their tribe real quick. How, how do you think this tribe is going to do? What you know? What's their strengths? Well, you've got you, you've got military training. Garland was a uh, you know was in the Nam, so you, <laughs> so you got some military training there, a police training. Audrey, an FBI agent, so she's fit and can run. You know, she'll do well in challenges. Uh, Julia, she she's smart. She'll be she probably do puzzles since she's a doctor like her mother. Uh, Laverne, uh, I don't. She's probably a sacrificial. Lab she's probably she's a good boats. she's a good communicator though. How do we know she's got a you know a sweet voice? She's used to talking to people all day. That's a great skill to have on Survivor. Yeah, and. Um, 
Thornton. I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm worried if he gets angry, he's going to start killing people and truly <laughs> eliminating them from the island and that. And I also wonder how he's going to compete in competitions when he's blind. It's going to so, be tough. It's going to be tough. Their tribe is a little, uh, the males is what I worry about. You know, uh, the chief is older. Dave is older. The Rev is pretty old. Thornton's blind. Um, but I think Audrey and Julia are going to be, and probably Beatrice, the three of them are going to be the backbone physically of yeah. the tribe. Yeah, I definitely see the, I see the the, the ladies really uh, caring, physically. caring that tribe. Right. Um, Beatrice, uh, you know, these guys aren't, these guys are going to have to watch out on Fridays. So that's about it. Uh, yeah, yeah. She's a uh, harbor master. Yeah. They'll have to send her to Exile Island on Fridays. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if the Rev is going to, you know, create an alliance that is just going to try to vote out all the troubled people on the tribe. Uh, so Beatrice and Thornton better look out. Yeah. That, that's who Rev's gunning for first. It's ungodly <laughs> troubled people. All right. So let's move on to the second tribe. Uh, we <laughs> We have uh, the Fridalba tribe. Fridalba tribe, um, which of course has Duke Crocker on it. Uh, I kind of, I kind of made them the captains, if you will. I made kind of Tulia Walker's Audrey's tribe, and Fridalba was Duke's tribe, since that well, was the name of a, a, a French prostitute that exchanged money with him and and, uh, a, and, a, and, a, and a road. And a road in, in the mountains. But it's also the name of, as we talked about in the last episode, Eric Balfour's band was named Fridalba. So on the Fredalba tribe, we have Agent Byron Howard. We have Duke Crocker, Eleanor Carr, Jess Minion, uh, Marlon, Marion Caldwell, Nathan Warnos, Vicky Dutton. And so uh, to clarify, Marion Caldwell was the woman who created storms, storms in the pilot. And Vicky Dutton is the one who could draw things into existence in episode six or seven. Right. Uh, and then Vince rounds out the team. Yeah, this team seems like physically have an advantage because even though Vince is old, he's a big guy. He's probably yeah. pretty strong. And uh, Jess, you, you see her, you know, the picture has her with with a rifle. She's uh, she's a certified badass. <laughs> Dr. Carr, she's a doctor. And, uh, you know, m- maybe some of the physical acti- uh, challenges might be dif- difficult for her. But and then Duke and Nathan, you know, clearly in their guys. prime. Uh, agent Byron Howard, you know, he's an agent, you know, he's got some. He's got some uh, FBI training. Yeah, <laughs> it seems like the, the Fredalva should should win a lot of challenges. But you right? never know, dude. We but see you never this, know. We see this all the time in Survivor, where a team seems like they're stacked physically, but then do poorly uh, because it's team chemistry that matters. And I feel like Audrey mm-hmm. and the Chief. You're right. Audrey and the Chief have a good, uh, and you know. Oh, I guess there is one conflict conflict of interest is Dave and Audrey. God That's knows good, what's going to happen there. I was just, I, I'm picturing them, <laughs> you know, on their little wooden, you know, handmade wooden bed, and uh, old Dave always trying to creep over. Okay, towards it's her. cold tonight. We're gonna have to. Everyone's gonna have to snuggle uh, close, which happens on Survivor for everyone who doesn't watch. But yeah, uh, let's Remember watch. I out bought for Dave. you that blue dress. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's move in to the episode. All right, so let's look at these alliances. Um, so we're going to look at the Tuiwak tribe alliances. Uh, the first alliance is between Thornton, Aaron, Beatrice, Julia, and the Chief. So what do we think about that alliance so far? That looks like the troubled people are kind of uh, – the Chief is kind of taking the troubled people and Julia and saying, like, you know, oh. we're a crew. I'm taking – I'm going to control these troubled people. Julia is kind of coming to help them out. Yeah, that's uh... – 
And they're at a their strength. The alliance strength is an eight out of ten on that one. So they're they're fucking tight already. They're tight. They're they're tight. And that I can I can see it because the, there's no way you can be with the rev, man. If if you're troubled. Yeah. And then so, uh, you can see their loyalty rankings. So we can see that the chief and Julia are nine out of tens. They're very loyal people. Beatrice, uh, the succubus, she's pretty loyal to it. An eight. Thor Naren, though, he's a five. He's a free agent. He's kind of like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure how I feel about this, but I'm, I'm in because I'm not joining the Revs Alliance, which is the yeah. second alliance, which has Audrey, Dave, Laverne, and the Rev. Uh, and the Dave is <laughs> Dave is very loyal, but the rest of them are not. They're all middling numbers five. Yeah, D- so, D- Dave is loyal to Audrey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, why. He doesn't give a shit about Laverne and Rev. But this feels like a... Uh, an alliance of convenience, you know. I think, uh, I think it's the an alliance of the other four don't want to have anything to fucking do with us. So, yeah. So, let's look at uh, Fredalba's tribe alliances. Okay. So, we got a couple. Oh, we got a, we got two here. Our first uh, tribe alliance is an eight. It's between Jess, Nathan, Vicky, Marion, and Vince. So, what it looks like here is it looks like Vince has gathered up the troubled people too. Uh, we knew Jess was pretty down with the troubled people initially before uh, Thornton. <laughs> Till she uh, almost died yeah. because of a troubled person. But it looks like Vince has said, you know, uh, Nathan, Vicky, Marion, you guys are the troubled. And we know from this episode that Vince is very, very uh, sympathetic to the troubled folk. And Jess, you know, it looks like Jess and Nathan, even though I guess similar to Michelle and uh, Wendell, that even though they had relationship problems, they know each other very well. Right. And so they're willing to work with each other, even if they're in a, even if they've broken up their relationships since then, it's still, there's right. still a bond there. Um, so it looks like the eight, it looks like Jess is a nine and uh, Vince is an eight on loyalty. Marion's a nine on loyalty. Nathan's a six and yeah. Vicky's a six. Oh, uh, so we'll see. We'll see. The second yeah, alliance. Shaky. Yeah, that's it. The second alliance is pretty crazy. I don't know about this one. This is uh, Agent Howard. Duke and Eleanor are all together, <laughs> which Duke teaming up with the law. I don't yeah, know about see, that. That's super sneaky. You know, it's super sneaky. No one would expect, you know, a lead FBI agent. And, and they, they all and have a loyalty of eight. They're all like down with each other. And then, you know, and then you got Eleanor, you, you got your, you got your mastermind. Yeah. I'd like to see Byron Howard uh, cut loose. <laughs> I, I yeah. Let's see him go crazy. And uh, this is a sneaky, good alliance though. I yeah. Mean, a doctor, good. FBI agent, and a smuggler together. They got some really good skills. Duke's kind of the smooth talker. I bet he can Dude, You know, he's going to find an immunity idol. You just know oh, Duke's going to yeah. find it. You know, Duke's going to find it. All right. So let's, let's move on to our first immunity challenge. We're not going to go through what the challenges kind of entail because they're specific to that but in this and first, lengthy <laughs> yeah in this first challenge uh it's a physical one and Fredalba wins uh that's duke and nathan's tribe uh they also win 50 waterproof matches so that means since they won to has to go to uh tribal council so tribe events the chief isolates himself from the rest of the tribe no one wants to align with him so it looks like his previous alliance already has uh the troubled folk have already turned on him meanwhile <laughs> uh agent howard and marion uh, have teamed up, uh, nicknamed Marion Storm, Storm here for anyone Perfect. because she causes weather problems. So let's go to Tribal Council since that's on a irrelevant tribe. Uh, so we go to the Tuiwak tribe. We go to the Tuiwak tribe and uh, let's let's look at the votes. First vote goes to Audrey. Second vote goes to Audrey. Uh oh. Third vote goes to Julia. Fourth vote goes to Julia. Fifth vote goes to Julia. 
Sixth vote goes to Julia. Seventh vote goes to Audrey. And the eighth vote goes to Julia. Their final results are five to three. Julia, the tribe has spoken. Let me snuff out your torch. Well, I hope you enjoyed episode one of Haven Survivor. I thought it was very entertaining. And if you want to enjoy the entire season, we have recorded it. We have a bonus episode that will be dropping at the same time as this episode. And we'd love you to check it out. I think it's very entertaining and uh, might be a lot of surprises. And it's a lot of fun along the way. Um, But that's it for this episode. We'll return to the town beneath the town in one week. The quickest way to reach us is by email. You can contact us at troubledrewatchpod at gmail.com. Once again, you can find us on just about anywhere that you listen to your podcast, like Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, Podbean, Stitcher. We're also uh, just freshly added to Listen Notes, Listen Notes, Deezer, iHeartRadio. Uh, we'll also have the podcast up on YouTube and Vimeo eventually, if that's all that is available to you. And it really helps us when you hit like or subscribe and even more uh, on Apple or other places that you can to leave a review. Uh, If you want the podcast straight from the source, you can visit us at troubledpodcast.com. We'll have all our episodes, news, and the like all in one place for you. And if you want to follow us on Twitter for updates, you can follow us at Havens Troubled. That's a capital H and a capital T. We love making the show for you, but there are costs, and we'd love to upgrade some of our gear and services for you. So we're asking for your help. We have a Patreon page linked in the show notes. uh, If you become a patron, you'll get uh, exclusive bonus episodes in a series called Troubled with Extra Syrup. This month's episode, we did an album review on the soundtrack to Haven Season 1. We look, uh, we took a look at all the pre-existing music, or took a listen, actually, to all the pre-existing music and compiled it into an album and covered it every which way you can imagine. There's a Colorado Kid episode. Uh, we've got our third episode planned for uh, this month coming out soon. We'll tell you that probably next episode. Uh, we also have the other Patreon the other patron item we mentioned was uh, you get your own Wu-Tang Haven name when you become a patron. Um, we're always excited for listener feedback, and we love to hear from you. Whether it's criticism or praise, we want to interact with the fans uh, who are listening. Thank you for listening. My name is Alex French. And this is Rich French. I want to thank you for listening, and I want to echo the the call to provide feedback or, you know, in whatever way you want. We really want to interact with you. So once again, thank you for listening. Be safe. And please remember, never let your troubles get you down. 